0: Adam, thank you for joining the PBE podcast. Thank you for being here at Urtech 2022, where we're trying to figure out, you know, what makes the unconventional reservoirs actually work. Like, we get it. The conventional reservoirs, the, the fluid flowed easier. It flowed more efficiently. So you got to go into the conventional things and it was very economic and very predictable. But then the idea was like, whoa, the source rock, which, yeah, it has a much slower moving fluid because it's harder to move it because it's the porosity is much less. The permeability almost not there. But if you horizontally go into it and you frack it, it seems to have some favorable results. And then and then if you do that you know, strategically, you can make a lot of money with the unconventionals. And so tech you know, back in 2012 becomes a thing where we're integrating the engineers. What are they doing? How are they actually completing this? What fluids are they using? The propens, what's changing? What's evolving on the completion side? We see talks from that. We get information from that. And then we also have geologists, geochemists that come in and say, here's what we're thinking about the geologic model and like why it's even there, how kerogen is changing in these things, how it's related to the production. And then you got obviously the geophysicists that became a pretty big deal in the last 10 to 12 years. So, you know we're combining all this and the industry is in this forced integrated time. When you come to Urtech, you know, what are you pulling from Urtech? Why do you come here? What are you listening to? Like as a right, you're a geochemist, PhD yeah, geochemist. Yes sir. So, so you're coming in here, you know what do you get from this show?
1: Oh man, I love this show. There's right so on. much going on. <laughs> um, specifically what we're always looking at is how to be strategic, as you said, in the development of your unconventionals. Right. I think that's that's kind of the key word. And so we're always thinking about how to better understand Where you're draining from? Yeah, that's the only way that you can truly be strategic about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, where's it coming from? Exactly. How do you optimize your stacking and spacing? Because otherwise, you're just kind of shooting blindly into the into the subsurface.
0: One of the first shows we did was with Faskin Oil and Ranch, two geologists there, and I I say it in the podcast. I'm like, isn't it weird that you know we go down even in a vertical well, like in a wolf bone or whatever it is? You go this vertical well you perf this zone, you perf maybe several zones and then you bring it all online. But at the end of the day, it comes to surface, it goes to the tanks and you got to gauge in the tanks and and you're like, "All right, where is it all actually coming from, man?" And we all sat there and looked at each other like 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 whoa. Yeah, like where is it actually coming from? So GeoMark, you guys are are typing the oil based on rock cuttings and core and fluid analysis from tests that happen in each zone. So you stop the drilling, you test the zone, you guys are there collecting data, you're analyzing that data, and it says, okay, bone spring oil looks like this, wolf camps like this. That's what you guys are doing?
1: Yeah. So there's a variety of ways of approaching it. Uh, what you're doing at the end of the day is you're taking your produced fluid and you're comparing it to some type of a baseline. And that baseline is telling hmm. you where that fluid is coming from. Now that baseline can absolutely be cuttings. It can be extracts from cuttings like you're just describing. It can be a nearby core. It can be produced fluids from wells around it that are, you know, maybe verticals or maybe just older horizontals. Yeah. Uh, you can even do like field aggregates. So you can average all the Wolf Camp A's and say that's that's the baseline for Wolf Camp A, and then compare your produced fluid to that and say how much of that average do I have in here? Um, so there's a number of ways of creating the baseline, but exactly. You're, you're creating that baseline, you're comparing your produced fluids to that baseline and then determining where in the ground you're actually producing your fluid wow. from. yeah. So and then over
0: time, you're doing it through with time, you're introducing the fourth dimension.
1: Fourth dimension, man. Come on, man, Yeah, <laughs> that's it, well, 4D. No, it's, so it, it's really exciting because it, it's not a static thing. Right. The fluids you produce, They're based on your your drained rock volume. So this is the DRV. It's different than your stimulated rock volume. That's your SRV. Okay. That's what you actually frack. Okay. So you you drop this this giant frack, right? Sets off this big fracture network.
0: Yep. SRVs put in place.
1: Yep. And then your DRV is whatever fracture network portion is contributing to the actual wellbore and pumping out your fluids. Okay, Right on. Uh, So that DRV can change through time. It can either... Grow larger in very extreme circumstances. Whoa! Normally it shrinks, though. Yeah. So typically that DRV is going to shrink through time as your fracture network heals. Okay. On top of that, there's all kinds of interesting things going on with your rock-fluid interactions. So, for example, <laughs>
0: yeah. you know,
1: initially you're producing just from that fracture network, but eventually that fluid runs out, and you have to start pulling from this so, super low some, permeability okay. stuff. Okay. Whatever
0: is just kind of getting in slow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. okay. And that.
1: And that Degree is not really known very well. It varies from like oh, you know, one foot to fifty feet, or something yeah. like that, away yeah. from your fracture network. Um, but all of that, we can get an idea of with this with our our TED RV. TED RV.
0: Doing. This is TED RV. Now we're talking that's about, right. and yeah. that's
1: so it's the temporal evolution of your drained rock volume.
0: Ah, um, so
1: it, it's how this drained rock volume changes with
0: time. <laughs> so you have a decline curve. So where you've done this. I'm imagining there's a data set in there and you're integrating a new version of a decline curve. You got initial production, like they all do, and then everything peaks off and it makes this decline curve. But what you're filling the space under the curve with is the geochemistry changing through time.
1: You absolutely can do that. And we have done that. Yeah. So you can actually see then, okay. Initially in that, that peak of your decline curve. Yeah. Right, you're actually pulling from X, Y, and Z units. And then that X unit kind of pinches off as you go further down the decline curve. What? And then you're only producing from Y and Z. Wow. And then there's an additional mobility component as well. And you're still producing from Y and Z, but now it's this, this kind of third phase where you're starting to pull that permeability. Um, even though it's the real rough permeability, you're still bringing that wow. into the system.
0: Man, are you guys doing a lot of work on refracts? Are you doing uh, like original production? It's it's 10 years down the line. They're now going back in the horizontal with some kind of EOR huff and puff, or they're adding something into the system, either a gas, a fluid, whatever it is. and then they And then they produce it. And it seems like we get this bump in production and it seems to be economic for the operators that are really figuring this out. Have you guys had the opportunity to type that And see the changes of before the complete before and then what the EU EOR oils type like. Like, Have you guys had a?
1: We definitely have done some of the EOR. I don't know of any of the refract stuff yet, but I would love to try that. I think that'd be really interesting. And (laughs) now I. Some of my colleagues at Geomark may have done that and I just wasn't around for the project. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's super exciting
0: stuff. So. How long have you been with Geomark?
1: I've been with Geomark a year now.
0: Is that right? You're a year in? Yeah, a year in. Yep, oh, year in. Still, still green, but yeah. Oh, dude, <laughs> and with all that data and all that, oh my gosh, dude, that must be so much fun.
1: It's a lot of fun, yeah. To
0: work on that stuff all the time. Absolutely. And you got new data coming in. You got, you got, so what do you typically do? What do you do for Ge- Geomark?
1: Yeah. So GeoMark, I run the time-lapse geochemistry program. I'm kind of the the worker behind the scenes for most of that, organizing our projects and making sure that everything goes well. I also run our isotope lab for our fluid isotopes. So okay. Carbon uh, carbon isotopes. Oh from our man, the, yeah. the
0: all-elusive carbon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Absolutely. So, man.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's That's of cool.
0: Fun. What do you think of Ted? What's his story, man? I don't I, I trust Ted about as much as I trust cats. Yeah. You know, I like just something about him. I just don't. You know? I like
1: I like him as much as I like cats too. Which means I love our Ted. He needs a hat, man.
0: Where's your wife with a hat? I know. Yeah. I'll bring a sombrero tomorrow that we can put on top of him. What's Ted the... saying right now? He's got a shirt on. He's got his GeoMark lanyard. Why is Ted here? What's this? What is this, Ted?
1: So Ted right now is showing uh, on the front of his shirt. He's got a slide that we created. That shows kind of the three phases of evolution from one of our case studies. Oh, right on. So that's again the the temporal evolution of drained rock volume Ted RV Uh uh-huh. Ted the Teddy Bear. Yeah. <laughs> all full full circle.
0: You guys went um, all in on yep, this.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now can I
0: buy that shirt? Are you guys selling these shirts commercially at the talk, website?
1: Talk to our, our our man over here, Graham, and I'm sure you can buy it. Um, we can get we
0: can get a shirt. Yes, I want Ted's shirt. I'm about his size. (laughs) Yeah, so
1: it's on the, it shows the three phases of production from this case study. And so initially we have this, It's kind of like we've been talking about, you have a well-prop system that's pulling from two different zones, Mm -hmm. and then- Clearly,
0: you're seeing that in the data.
1: Yep, and in the second phase, that initial flush of highly-producible oil has come through the system, Part of the production is being shut off from the upper zone, and we're having a little bit more of a, a less mobile fluid come through, but still being accessed by the yeah. fracture network. And then the third phase, that's what I've been talking about, where now you're starting to pull in through this kind of crappy permeability system, Yeah. Um, the highest mobility fluid wow. is coming out.
0: Oh, that's really interesting to think about on a development side of things. Like we go into the Permian Basin, and we're saying there's 10 stacked Potential zones to go after, right? You got all kinds of bone spring, you got all kinds of wolf camp, and it's thousand feet thick. And you're like, okay, we have acreage that holds all of these opportunities. How are we as an operator going to go after this? How the heck are you attempting that without typing the oil? If you don't know where what the bone is and, and all those different zones, then you're going to go after that. You're going to perf everything, and you're like, hey, we're making money. Least, you know, lease payments are made but you're trying to develop this thing. You're, I wanna know if that well was mostly making it from the top zone because if I'm gonna drill an offset well, then maybe I don't wanna go into that top zone because it's clearly being drained. Maybe we right. got a better opportunity to hit something deeper. Like what you guys are doing and providing is, is, is really, really interesting information. you work with operators around the world doing this? Yep. Primarily typing production through time.
1: Yep, exactly. And so what we're doing is really, it's an optimization tool. Because like you said, in something like the Permian, you know, it's not hard to drill a well that will make some money. Yeah. But then when you go back to infill, you need to know, all right, do I need to be 100 feet above it or 300 (laughs) feet above it? You know, otherwise you're going to be wasting money. Yeah, Exactly. For the price of our analysis, which is, is not much compared to a well AFI, you know, you can gain all this information to know whether or not you need to augment your production, if you need to place a well, additionally, or if you need to, you know, change your completions. Yeah, it gives you a lot of information. It's Man. a for not a huge investment.
0: Man, right on, dude. Right on, Adam. I appreciate it. What was your talk about specifically? This uh, this case history.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I, I did actually a different case study than uh, than our TED RV is wearing right now. Okay. Uh, but we were looking at really how to design a, a good. A good tlg case study a good time lapse geochemistry case study what it takes what type of members are useful and which are less useful whoa um and then i had a couple case studies as well one from the delaware then one from the eagleford wow um, that's so,
0: all public now you can read all that you get absolutely. the data right yeah on.
1: and our operator partner i think was on the podcast this morning talking about the eagle ford study jennifer yep exactly oh man um, so that's... that's how we kind of concluded this this talk this afternoon awesome really driving home that hey again, you know, minimal investment, you can get lots of utility out of these products. If you, Man. Yeah.
0: So I definitely want to set up a remote podcast where I can just remote in, we'll catch up after Urtec, I'll get sure. all this content chopped down and we'll get it out. But what I want to do on the episode is actually dive into the database and see the functionality, see someone operate through it and what it looks like for a user. And then even a step further, I wanna like see, you know, what is it in the, like what is the data deliverable? Like if I wanna see brine chemistry and how it's changing in an area where you have a lot of that data, you know, what is the actual data? You know, what is the deliverable? I think that would be a really cool show, like something that's not proprietary obviously, but I think something simple and and something interesting.
1: And that's what we have on on Ted's shirt right now. We actually have live (laughs) data, like real data from our production. And you can see how that data is changing and what it means. So we're not we're not trying to, you know, be coy about any of this stuff or pretend like we're the, the only people that can interpret this. Right. You know, we're, we're showing you the data and we're showing you what it means. Um, right. So absolutely.
0: Right on. Well, thank you, man. Thank you for absolutely. what you do. Yeah. All the time you put in. Good luck with everything you got going on. I'm thank excited you. that you're excited to go to work. Yeah, absolutely. We need more of that, man. You're inspiring me. I'm ready to go to work after this podcast. We got it. But first, let's go have a drink.